Uh, we had a baptism uh, just on Friday. And we always have this baptism. It's always held at Moraine State Park. And it's at the Crestline uh, picnic area. And we have a short video to uh, share with everybody because this is such an awesome event. It is really an awesome event. And the Spirit of God, the presence of God was there and it was so strong. And I'll tell you what, let's just enjoy this. <laughs> kept that beard <laughs> that looks good <laughs> yeah. come on Chris let him grow that back <laughs> I do notice a lot of gray in that my friend <laughs> we're so pleased to have Scott and Krista here uh, we've known uh Scott and Krista for probably 25 years mm -hmm. and uh, they are sold out to Jesus they're in Asia and they just don't have a simple crusade in their ministry and then everybody disperses and what he does he teaches pastors people get saved when he speaks to them and then when he recognizes that there is a call of God on somebody's life what he does, he gathers a group of those people from all over Asia and he gets the pastors to come and he has them there for a week and he feeds them and he trains them. He's training pastors, native pastors, to go back to their country, to go back to their villages and be the pastor of that village to preach the gospel, to train up disciples, because he wants to make disciples who make disciples. That's how it works. If you're a disciple of Christ, you've been called as an ambassador. That ambassador now represents the kingdom that is coming. And what we must understand is now it's our responsibility to represent that kingdom in a proper way.
Well, Scott certainly knows what that's about, and so he trains these men and women how to be pastors. You know, pastoring is a difficult situation. Over there particular, <laughs> because there's pastors over there that might get their heads cut off because they're preaching the gospel. And so when he recognizes these men and women are sold out to God, he starts to train them. Train them. Feed them the word of God. Teach them the, the truth, the very basic truth of what God has said, who we are in Christ, what our redemption has brought us, what the blood of Jesus means. He teaches them the authority of the name of Jesus. He started over 65 churches there with people that are going back to their villages to teach the word of God. Six, over 60, what was it, 69 churches? Well, we have 62 now. 62 churches. You know, you're training. You know, we go to school to be a pastor and learn. He called, he's the teacher over there. He's got a huge responsibility, but he, he goes after it. He is faithful. This, this guy, he and Krista live over there. <laughs> There's a lot of good food over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enticing. <laughs> Except... <laughs> until I go into a country that I could get my head cut off. <laughs> but praise God, we're so glad that he's here. He's, this is a group that uh, Scott and Krista, we've, we have supported for many, many years. Uh, we started when we started the church here. As a matter of fact, uh, Scott worked for me when I was a painting contractor before he left to go to Asia. That's right. And so, uh, and before I came uh, full-time pastor. Uh, so we were, we were, there was a miracle, there was a real miracle. This driveway was just poured, brand new driveway. Scott had to go get a quart of stain to touch something up. He spilled that whole quart of stain all over this fresh driveway. And I'm sure he was praying. <laughs> and then you know what? He cleaned it up. You couldn't tell that there was a stain of oil on there. So I think that's a miracle. Save me from pouring another driveway. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah, it shows his character because this guy, I wanted him to just start to lead. But there's a higher call on his life. So without ado, let's give a big hand of, of praise and worship to our King of Kings that has anointed Scott to do what he's doing. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> I'm excited about this guy.
Test two, three. There we go. You just got to be connected to the power, right? <laughs> but I, I really thank God for my wife, you know, who has followed me, you know, in the beginning. She said, I can commit to two years. <laughs> and that was... <laughs> yeah, you can do anything for two years. And that was in no, no, October or November of 2000, you know. And we've been there ever since. And so... God really had a, a, a key door for us to, to, to walk in and step into, and we thank God for that. And, and what we're doing in Asia is because of partners like you, because of people who help us, enable us, the body working together to do what the body is called. And so we're very thankful for you. The harvest that we receive results in fruit we get is your fruit and your harvest, You'll be surprised when you stand before Christ and, and he starts naming things that you have reaped because of your life and what you've done. Some things we're going to cry about. Some things we're going to smile about. But in essence, we, we don't really realize what we do, small things that create ripples that touch multitudes. And so um, we're thankful for your partnership and you having a part in what we do. I mean, you know, in the world today, there's over 7 billion people. That's a lot of people, right? 7 billion people. And it's estimated that just over, it's about 2.4, 2.5, call themselves Christian or Catholic or the Christian faith or, you know, in that area. Um, and then that means that that's only one-third, a uh, little less than one-third of the world's population. You, you still have two-thirds or a little bit more that do not know Christ. Yeah. Sometimes we don't stop and think about that. Two-thirds of the world's population without Jesus Christ, without eternal life, without the gift that we have received, the peace. I mean, I don't know about you, laying your head down at night knowing that you know God, knowing that you have been born again, that He loves you and He saved you. That peace that you have, and there's two-thirds of the world's population without that peace. You know, they, they say if we were to line up the amount of people who did not receive or does not know Christ, if we started here in Butler and we started going around the world, guess what? They would come all the way back around the world, line them up next to each other, and it would keep going, guess what, 36 times. 36 times those without Christ would line up wrapping the world 36 times. That's just a reality we need to think about to awaken us to our purpose. Whether we're in Asia or whether we're right here in Butler, PA. The pearl of the world. I never forget that when, when you know, Steve and Butler, PA. Pearl of the world. I remember that. Even over in Asia, I think about him. Pearl of the world. But we need to think about whether it's in Butler, PA or the other side of the world. There are people who need Christ. There are people who need Christ. And you have a role in that. You say, well, not me. That's the pastor or the evangelist job. Nope. If you're in the body of Christ, 2 Corinthians talks about that we are ambassadors of reconciliation. And we're all called to win others to Christ in some form or some way. And, and, and I have a message I want to talk to you about, but before I do that, I'm gonna, we're going to show a video that talks about what we're doing in Asia. Now, we have four ongoing projects, 
And those projects, I'll name them real quick, and then you'll see them in the video. Number one is what we call leadership training. It's our Timothy project. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul told Timothy to train faithful men just as he trained Timothy, who will also train other faithful men. It's a duplication of discipleship. And that's what we have begun doing in Asia. That was our first project, is where we would bring those together who had a call in their life to be a minister or a pastor, and we would do a training with them. We call it our AMGA leadership training, where we have position, purpose, and power. They learn their position in Christ, they learn their purpose in Christ, and then they learn the power in Christ to go and do what he's called them to do. And, and we've been successful in doing all those trainings. We, did, we started off doing leaders in Laos that would come, and they had to sneak across the border into Thailand because Laos is such a strict nation, very heavily persecuted. And they would come. So we started with that group. Then we expanded to Cambodia. Then we went into Vietnam. And then we were doing in the Golden Triangle. And we've trained so many leaders now. It's, it's amazing. But our heart is to see them duplicate, then go and train others. Just as, It's not about us. It's about making them successful. You know, it's not about us building our name, but building the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we've been doing that for quite some time. We've had thousands of leaders now train in the different Bible schools we've even been teaching in over there. And it's been wonderful. Now, uh, we also started in 2018, we started a project which was called the CP Project, Church Planning. And that was a new step. God challenged me. I want you to now sponsor for 18 months Asian men, people who are called to plant a church in an unreached village. Realize this, in Thailand, it's less than 1% of the population know Christ. In Cambodia, it, it's, it's right at less than 4%. In Vietnam, it was less than 3%. In all these nations, minimal percentage. And what we want to see is, is ministers get a hold of the calling of God, the understanding, the knowledge of God, and who they are, and what they're calling, and go and then plant a church in a village that has never received the gospel witness. We're talking about people who has never heard the name of Jesus. What impacted my life was in 2003. I went to China with a group of Taiwanese and some Americans, some, some dumb Americans who didn't do things quietly and we got arrested. But we went into China. And one of the things we went, we went into China and I went into this little village and I had my interpreter with me, and we went in, and there was this old man. He had to be in his 70s, and his daughter, and his daughter was harvesting uh, corn, and he was right there. And we began sharing. I said, can I share with you? And he, yeah, yeah, he had me sit down. And, and so we're sharing, and in that culture, you call him uncle. And I shared the gospel with him. I talked about a God who loves, a God who cares about sin and about his son he sent to die. And as I'm sharing this story, this old man, at first, he's just real, you know, you ever seen somebody with a face that's just like mean looking, you know, it's just like, <laughs> but as I'm sharing this story and talking about the love of a father who is a God who loves us, tears started coming down. And I thought for sure, yeah, this is it. The Holy Spirit's working. This man is going to receive Jesus. So when I stopped, I said, uncle, dear uncle, would you like to receive the gift of the son of this father God who loves you. And he wiped the tears away and he stood up and he said, you know what? He said, 
how come I'm almost, I forget, 70-something years old, and I've never heard this story before. This is the first time. This sounds like too much of a story. How can I believe this if, if 70 years of my life, no one's ever told me this before? And he said, I want to believe this. And he said, something in here is, is happening, but I, I can't do that because I've never heard this before. And we had to leave him that day without him receiving Christ. We found out later there was an underground church in that village, and we believe God, God does things that we don't really know about. We are to sow seeds. But it woke me up to a realization that there are so many that have never heard. Can you imagine living for 70-something years and you never heard the name of Jesus Christ? And I knew we have to do something differently. And so that's why we're empowering Asians to do that. Uh, our, our, our fourth project is we call the uh, Kids of Destiny. Uh, um, I've skipped one, three. Our third project is our food relief project. And you'll see that over COVID, so much has shut down. Families were hurting in Burma. They were reverting to catching snakes and eating snakes in Burma and rats. And so one of our directors, who's Burmese, he came to us. He said, you've got to help us. And that's when I started raising funds for that. And we've fed uh, well over, I think now it's over 1,500 households that we've done. And we're putting that resources into the hands of the pastors. And so our, then I, real quickly, our fourth project is our, my wife is giving me signs and wonders. Can our video be shown on YouTube? Yes, we'll, we'll let that show. Um, our fourth project is our Kids of Destiny project. So we've been planting churches, and when we were in Cambodia, kids came out of the woods. And these are kids that's never heard of the name of Jesus. And my coworker Jim Randall, he was like, Scott, we got to do something for kids. And he said, can I get a lady to write curriculum, and, and then you put it into the hands of our people who can translate. And we did that. And we've translated a full one-year curriculum that has a, a, a picture, a colored picture, a coloring page for the kids, it's got a story page, and it's got a teacher's guide page. And we've now translated that into Khmer, which is for Cambodia, into Vietnamese, into Burmese, and Thai, and, and with Korean, and we're getting it done in Lao, we're getting it done in Chinese, where there's other languages we're getting it done in. But in that also... God spoke to me, and he said, in Cambodia, I want you, just like the church planner project, I want you to sponsor kid ministers for 18 months to reach new villages of unengaged kids. And when they do that, they don't just go after the kids. They also target the adults. But they go in, and they have a, a, like a kid's crusade, you want to say it like, do games and everything. But they also have cut hair for people who need their hair cut. And they, they have eyeglasses for the elderly. They can get eye, reading glasses. And, of course, they have the Bible for them to test their reading. And, and, and then they share Christ. Now, we started that in January 15th of this year. Now, get this. Just since January 15th, out of doing these outreaches, over 4,000 people have prayed the prayer of salvation. Kids and adults. It's truly amazing what God is doing. And then we also took the curriculum and we put it into these coloring books. 
This here, this is Ty. So this is a Christmas coloring book. Twelve lessons about the life of Jesus. Talking about the greatest gift, Christmas gift, which is wow. Jesus Christ. Then we did an Easter coloring book. Nice. This, one, this one here, that's Ty also. This one's Burmese. And so, and then the end of it, it's like a big track, you know. And so they, they look at it, and you know, they got the coloring book page, and they got the story. But at the, at the last, you'll see, they have shares about Jesus and the prayer of salvation. So we are trying to get this done in all the languages, and we want to do even more than just these two. And so we want to thank you. You've had a part in that. So we're going to show the video after what I've told you now. You know a little bit, and you're going to understand the video a little bit better. Let's play that. are being used to share about the life and 
using them for special outreaches and to groups that have never heard about Jesus or the gospel message before. In January of 2022, we launched the Kids of Destiny Cambodia program, where we are sponsoring six children ministers for full-time ministry in an 18-month program. They bi-monthly are holding evangelistic outreaches to reach unengaged children for Christ. Also bi-monthly, they're holding a how-to-do children ministry workshop to train and raise up new children ministry workers. Weekly, they are running children ministry programs in local villages while training and mentoring a disciple to shadow their work every week. Our latest report shows over 4,000 children and adults have prayed the prayer of salvation through this program and through their outreaches. Through this program, we will engage unreached kids while at the same time duplicate more children ministers to expand this work in reaching and discipling more kids. We know the Kids of Destiny Project will continue to impact many children for Christ for years to come. Reach International Ministries has made an internal impact in Asian lives because of each partner join hands with us to accomplish God's given purpose. If you would like to understand more about Reach International or learn more about one of our projects, you can do so at our website, www.reachim.org. We want to thank all that have enabled us to reach Eastern Asia for Christ. Thank you and God bless. Amen. So we want to thank you. We want to thank you for partnering with us, so we, we are very grateful. Amen? Yeah. If you have your Bible, open with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I have a short message I just want to share about reawakened to the greatest purpose. Re reawakened to the greatest purpose. How many of you know the world has gone through some troubling times? How many experienced some troubling times these past two years? Can you say amen? And, and we've seen things that we never thought would happen that took place all over the world. But I believe what the enemy has done through, some of you say, well, did God allow this? Well, we know this, that Jesus talked about in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes. Who's the thief? Thief comes to kill to steal and to destroy. Sometimes our view of God sometimes doesn't line up with theology of Jesus' theology. And we need to line it up with what Jesus said. And we know when there's killing, there's stealing and destroying going on, it's not God's work. It's not God's best. It's not what God desires. And so in that, we've seen the enemy. I don't know if, if how much you know of eschatology in the Bible and the teaching of the Antichrist, but we see a global system unfolding before our eyes that line up with what, when we read the book of Revelation, it's, it's getting very close. It's getting quite scary sometimes when you look at what's taking place. But at the same time, we need to realize this also points to the soon return, the second coming of Jesus Christ. How many can say amen? But are we ready? Are we ready? Is, have we done everything that he asked us to do? See, this is what we got to ask. This is the question. And, and the enemy has tried to stop the church, to put a mask on the church, to quarantine the church, isolate the church, separate us, get us isolated. And you know this, if you've ever 
been in an army or there's been warfare, communication is vital and connection and an army working together. What does the enemy try to do to stop an army? He separates, divides them, ice, stops the communication. And so we've seen this global system of the enemy trying to shut down the church. What is the church? Not this building. You are the church. The ecclesia, the Bible says, those who are called out of darkness unto him, unto the light and the kingdom of God. And that Greek word, if you, really, if you really learn history, that Greek word was used for calling people into the Greek empire and then sending them back to their people groups to represent the kingdom of the Grecian empire. And Jesus used that word on purpose because he calls us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And then he empowers us, teaches us about his kingdom, and then sends us back to our people group we come from to represent him. And that's what he wants. But the enemy wants to stop that because he doesn't want a harvest. He doesn't want that two-thirds of the world's population to know about the gift of Christ. But we have a job to do, and I believe God has begun reawakening the church, reawakening individuals in their individual calling and in their corporate calling, even churches like this church, CLC, in their corporate calling to represent him in this community, to make an impact for his kingdom. So where is your place? What are you called to do? See, We need to be reawakened, number one, to his purpose and to his calling. Number two, we need to be reawakened to the awareness of Jesus, his presence and his power in our life that's greater than what's happening in the world. You don't have to fear what's going on in the world because this this is temporal. This is not eternal. This is not what's going to last I'm here to share with you there's an eternal kingdom. You know that already. There's an eternal kingdom that's going to last forever. And all that we see now is temporal. And number three, we must be reawakened to become fully active in bringing the light and the healing of Christ to a lost and dying world. Can you say amen? In Hebrews chapter 10, look with me. We're going to look here. In verse 24 and 25. 24 and 25. If you have your physical Bible, if you have your, your eye Bible, whatever you have. If you have your watch Bible. I don't know, nowadays they, they got the iPhone watch. You might have the Bible on your watch. Dick Tracy has come, been prophesied and come to pass. Those who are older know what I'm talking about. I used to have a, a Dick Tracy, you know. thing. Sorry for the younger generation. This younger generation has missed out on so much, even though they have so much available. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25, it says, Let us, everyone say that means me. me. Let us consider one another. Let us not just think about ourselves. Let us consider one another in order to stir up. Everyone say, stir up. Let us consider one another in order to stir up what? Love and good works. This word love is the Greek word agape, which is self-sacrificial love. The love that Christ gave. He sacrificed himself because he loved the world. And his love now operates in us. Not 
that we're trying to get His love, He births His love in us when we receive Christ. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. But sometimes our flesh can shut down that love. It's like a bottle putting the cap on the bottle. You can stop water from flowing. And when we get so so consumed with this world and what's going on and think about just ourselves, we cap the love of God and we cap the works that God has for us to do. And I believe this, that God wants to reawaken the body to agape love and reawaken the body of Christ to what they're called to do individually. You say, me, I'm just a... You know, maybe I'm one who cuts lawns or I'm a nurse. Or Yes, every single person you have a work to do in the yeah. kingdom of God. Even if you're retired. Amen. Can you say amen? Yeah. Even if you're in elementary school. Can you say amen? Amen, give me a fist bump. All right. <laughs> Whoever you are, wherever you are, you have a work to do. Good works. Stir it up. Stir up the agape love and the good works. Why? Because the end is coming soon. You say, well, I don't really know. That's been taught so many times before. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. You say, well, they've been telling, saying Jesus is returning for years. You know, how do we know when Jesus is returning? How do we know? You know, we cannot prophesy the very day or the very year. People's tried to do that. You know that? How many remembers a book, 1988? You guys remember that book? Someone wrote that book saying, Jesus is coming back in 1988. And so many people maxed out their credit cards and took out loans and did all these crazy things because they thought in 1988 they were going to leave the world. And then they woke up in 1989 and I got debt. But I'm here, I cannot tell you the exact year, but we know a season. We know what Jesus has said. The book of Matthew 24 is what we call Jesus' eschatology teaching. And if you look with me in Matthew 24, and we're going to start looking here. I have to use these. I'm in the 50 club. And so I remember at 40, I I tried to put it off. You can't put it off anymore. My my wife's still in the 40 club. So she's trying to put it off. (laughs) <laughs> Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, look, look I mean, uh, Matthew 24, look at verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. How I many of that was fulfilled in 70 AD? The Roman Empire destroyed every building and took all the stones apart. 70 A.D. And then look what Jesus goes on to say here in verse 3. Now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And notice this. And what will be the sign of your coming? Everyone say, Jesus is coming. coming. See, he already came once, but this is talking about his second coming. And what? What? And of the end of the what? The age. If you, if you look in the Greek uh, language, it actually means the completion of time. When time comes to an absolute end. When will this come down? They're asking Jesus these questions. When is this going to happen, Jesus? And notice verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, 
take heed that no one deceives you. Everyone say deception. deception. We're going to look at several keys that points to the, the second coming of Christ. But the first one we see is deception. I don't know if you've noticed, the world has been launched into deception at a level it has never, never had before. We're at, we're at levels where people are divine, they're, they're denying facts, yep. scientific facts, and calling things that are not factual or truthful from what they really are. We're seeing a level of deception, not just in one nation, but worldwide, globally. We're seeing deception. And this is one of the key points. You'll see Jesus repeats this over and over. So number one, you can write this down if you're taking notes. Deception points to the soon return of Jesus at a level that that is so maxed out, it's hard to understand. If if you're taking notes, do this. Write down 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 and 12. You study that on your own time. Talks about a deception that comes with strong delusion that people, even when they're presented the truth, they, they... they turn away from it. Strong delusion. Notice, so Jesus, he continues here, and he's telling us to take heed, not to be deceived. Verse 5, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will do what? And deceive many. There it is again, deception. Verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumor of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is what? The end is not yet. It's not yet. I mean, we've seen wars. We've seen rumor of wars. We're seeing all kinds. You know, I was just in Burma right before COVID hit. And then after I left, after COVID, then the military coup took place and overthrew the government. Stop what we were planning to do there. We're seeing so many divisions. And this is not just on national levels. Let's keep reading here. Look at verse 7. For nation or ethnos... Not, it doesn't mean just nation. It means ethnicity or people groups. For ethnos or people groups will rise against people groups. This is happening. This is happening within this very nation. You know, I bid you the one answer to racial issues is the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus levels the playing field. We're all one in him. No matter our skin color, no matter where we come from, no matter how much money you got or you don't have, we're all one in Christ. But the enemy, he doesn't want, he wants to magnify, he wants all this stuff stirred up, not just here, but globally. So he can keep this people in delusion and in deception. And what does it go on to say here? It says, And there will be famines and pestilence, disease and plagues and earthquakes and various... We've seen the greatest plague, one of them, worldwide. Verse 8, all these are the beginning of what? Of sorrows or travailing pains, birth pains. Painful seasons just before something is birthed. What is about to be birthed? It's the soon return of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, and then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. I rub shoulders with Laotians and people in China that they know other brothers and sisters that have died because of their faith, gone missing in the middle of the night. 
One brother, our Lao pastor, he told me about they came and got him in the middle of the night. They took him out. They put a bag over his head, took him out in the middle of the jungle, threw a shovel. They knocked him around, and then they told him to dig a hole. And he said, he said Brother Scott, I thought I, was, I thought I was going to walk on streets of gold. And I said, what, what, what was going through your mind? He said, all I thought about was heaven. Amen. He said, that's what I thought about, what I focused on. Because he said, I thought I was dead. And he dug, he dug the hole, and then they knocked him out. And he came to laying in the hole. And that was their warning to him. He said, I went back to my home. I found my way back. I sat, and I, 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 I didn't preach Christ for some, probably almost a year. But then he said, he said, the fire was too strong inside of me. I knew I had to share Jesus, but I did it very carefully this time. We don't know about persecutions like that. But Jesus talked about it right here. And notice this. You will be hated by all nations for my name. We've seen a hatred for Christianity like never before today. This is signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Notice this, verse 10. And then many will be what? Offended. How many offenses have we found today? In this society, people choosing to allow stumbling blocks to be placed before them because of issues and things that others do. Also, they will betray one another. They will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and what? Deceive many. There we go again. And because lawlessness, look at that, will abound And the love, this agape love of many will do what? Grow cold. Hmm. We could stop here and just be quiet for a bit and think about this. The Hebrew word selah means to stop and think. Sometimes we need a selah. We need to stop and think. Verse 14, I mean 13. But... He or she that endures to the end shall be what? Saved. Saved. Sozo. Shall be saved. This word endures, it means to hold fast and to remain fixed in what Christ has called you to do. Hold fast and remain fixed. Like the Bible when it talks about hold fast to your confession of faith. Same Greek word. It means to be put in a position under and to remain. We remain under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what He has proclaimed for us and for those around us. We stay in that fixed position. And we remain fixed no matter what's going on. No matter what's happening in the world. No matter the wars. Rumors of wars. Persecution. No matter famines. No matter what comes our way. Whether money comes or goes no matter whatever the issue is we are fixed and we do not move we are in Christ and those who endure and stay fixed in Christ to the end shall be saved can you say amen Amen. and what is the next this is the missionaries verse right here I love this verse verse 14 and this gospel or good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed and preached where Not just America, not just North America or South America, not just by Reinhardt Bunke who's passed away in Africa, you know, in his work in Africa, but in the whole world, in the whole world, for God so loved what? The The world. 
We have a world, that, that line of 36 times wrapping the earth of people who have not heard about Jesus. Get a mental picture of that. I cannot fathom that. 36 times? My goodness. In all the world as a what? A witness or testimony to all the nations or ethnos. To all, not just a nation, but people groups. God wants every people group and language to hear about his first coming. What is his first coming? It's the coming of grace. It's the gift of God to do what we cannot do in ourselves. It's he who is without sin that came to pay our debt of sin that no man could do in himself. No religion, no prayer, no meditation or fasting or, or sacrifice or giving or whatever you try to do to earn the goodness or the blessings of the Father and his love and that, that, that ridding of sin and shame and guilt. You couldn't do it in your own power, your own ability. No matter what religion you try to find, to get rid of it you can't do it and yet God looked down from heaven in his love at the world and said I am the answer and I will send my son to be the sacrifice he will become a man just like you flesh and blood and he will pay your price and he will go to the cross and he will pay your sin debt that you could never pay and because of Jesus, and because of Christ, who was risen from the dead on the third day, who took the key to death, hell, and the grave, and unlocked the door for you and I, that no longer are we bound to death in the grave and hell, but we walk free. Why? Because of the keys that he puts in our hands, the keys to the kingdom. That we're not just free himself, we take the keys and set others free. We have a responsibility to use the keys. They're not just for ourselves. He said the gates of what? Guess what? Hell has taken its residency in so many townships and so many villages holding and saying we got them in darkness and we're not letting them go. But Jesus said the gates of shall not prevail or gain advantage over the church. We can walk in with the key and we can unlock the very gates of hell into people groups. Into areas, into Butler, PA, into homes and different. We have the ability in Christ. But the enemy says, shh, nope, nope. Let's blind you. Let's deceive you. Let's shut you down. Let's keep your, you masked. We don't want you understanding what you have and using the key. Ah, oh, he knows what he's doing. Can you say amen? But we have to be wise. Take heed, Jesus said, that you be not deceived. Take heed, awaken, be reawakened to the purpose of Christ. Can you say amen? Yes. And so we have this job to do. And we must be reawakened. And we must use, and, and, and the Bible said to stir up one another. Stir up one another. In Hebrews 10 verse 25 it said this, it says, not forsaking the assembling of yourself together. Well, I'll just stay home in my pajamas and watch online today. No. I rub shoulder with pastors who've been in jail three times because they're not afraid to share the gospel. And yet we're staying in our home and in our pajamas. Now, don't get me wrong. There's times when you have to stay home. Amen. There are times when you need, you should stay home. But when you just do it because it's convenient, because you really just don't want to come out of your home anymore, come on now. 
Can I step on your toes just a little bit? Because he stepped on mine. And so we have to, we have to be, uh, not forsake this assembling to come together on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever we assemble. Don't forsake that. Come together. Because it's the manner of some. But what, is, what does the Bible say? But exhort, admonish, encourage, strengthen, console one another. And so much more as you see the, what does it say? The day of the Lord approaching. You say, well, Scott, that, that's been preached at so many times. Well, we see all these things. We see deception. We see conflicts. We see wars. We see plagues. We see the earth in confusion. We see hatred of Christianity at levels that's never been before. Go back with me to Matthew 24. We're going to look at something. I want you to go to Matthew 24, and we're going to, we're going to look... Uh, some key things we need to really see there, verses 32 through 35. But if you're taking notes, there are three main things that really point as we read all this. If you even have time, I don't have a time here today. I wish I had time to teach on it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you study that, verse 1 through 5, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5, Paul talks about, he actually uses the word in the Greek, ekstos, or it's eschatology we get which is that the end of time when there is no more. He talks about the signs you will see. And some of those signs that you see is lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, calling good bad and bad good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, actually forbidding the power is what the Greek says. Those are pointing to the end of the end. And we, see, we can sum it up like this. There are three main things. Number one is humanism. Yep. That's it. Humanism. Humanism is a doctrine and attitude about a way of life that's centered on human interest and values. And it usually rejects supernaturalism. It rejects the belief of supernatural power. And it declares that human ability and human ability alone is what will save mankind. And that's what we see in this world system and governments right now. We are the ones. We have the answer. Join with us. Think like we do. Become like us and we will save our world. It's humanism. At its greatest level, which is the very thing that Satan did in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, when he tried to convince Adam and Eve, if you eat the forbidden fruit, you will be more powerful, you will be like God, you won't need God, you're your own answer. It's the same deception. The same deception. And so we see these things coming to pass, and humanism is making itself its own God. Number two is materialism. Materialism. It's a belief that only the highest value of objects that lie in the material things it brings well-being. And it's the furtherness of these material things that progress. And it, it, it's people that are preoccupied with these material things. I've got to have more. I've got to have more. It's not enough. 
and they place all their intellect in accumulating these things and making society smarter because of these things. And, and they're making material things the Lord of all. That's where we live. Number three is what we call hedonism. Hedonism is a belief that pleasure and happiness is the answer to everything. Making myself happy. Whatever I feel, what my feelings is all about. If it makes me happy, I believe that and I walk in that. I don't care what you feel or what you think. It's about me and my pleasure. And they've made that their God. And these, these three things, we see at a level like never before. Matthew 24, verse 32 and 35. Are you with me this morning? Is this okay? Is everyone, you're not hungry thinking about going to eat lunch right now? We're, we're, we're eating heavenly food here. We're feeding on the word of God. Amen. We're going to eat lunch today. Don't worry. Maybe we should fast, Pastor Steve. <laughs> not happening today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. Matthew 24, look at verse 30, 32 through 35. This is the parable of the fig tree. Now, let, let me share this with you before we read. In the Bible, God likens so many things. He, he, he gives us so many things he likens like a type and shadow. And he uses something to, to speak about something that it's not physically, but it represents something. And he always uses the fig tree to represent the nation of Israel. Always. So when Jesus is talking about the fig tree, he's really talking about the nation of Israel. And just like Israel was that main tree of life, that, that, that nation that God had chosen, but they ungrafted themselves when they rejected Jesus. But we the Gentiles, because we believed in Jesus, the, in Romans it says we've been grafted in. The Bible actually calls us spiritual Jews. Did you know that? All this sentinism, all this, uh, you know, people rejecting Jews. Actually, it, it's not... And we're not, don't get me wrong, we don't go out and just try, it's all about blessing Israel, and we're not blessed unless we bless Israel. But there is a truth to that. Because of the calling on Israel, the original calling that God, through Abraham, a man apart from any other man who chose to trust God and believe God for simply what God spoke, and he was willing to give up his son to follow God. And because he was willing to give up his son, God knew that he could now turn and give his son his covenant. It's powerful. And he talks about this. Verse 32, now learn. Everyone say learn. In other words, we need to be taught. What is God wanting to teach us? Now learn this parable from the fig tree, or Israel, when its branches already become tender and put forth leaves, mean alive again, you know that summer is near. Now let me ask you a question. When did Israel become a nation again? 1948. We know this in 19, I believe it was 1908, the British is the one who set aside land in Palestine and said, we're going to start preparing land for the Israelites to return. It began even then, in the early 1900s. 
And then we saw in 1948, that's when it was birthed and called a nation again. And what does Jesus say here? He talks about that when you see this, you know that summer is near. Let me ask you, what does summer represent? Not just vacation, come on now. (laughs) Yeah, that's my vacation time. What does summer... If we go back to earlier days, what did everybody do? Everyone was a what? A farmer. What happened with, in summertime with farmers? Harvest time. Summer was always harvest time. So what is Jesus saying here? He wants us to learn from this verse. The parable of the fig tree, when its branches, when Israel's become a nation again, you know that harvest time is what? Near. Think about this. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the what? Now, how many's got a little, how many look at your Bible right now? How's got a little mark beside the word it or a little footnote? If you have a Bible, if you look at that and you look it up in the original language, it's not the word it, it is what? He. Hmm. So if we read this the way it should be said, so you also, when you see all these things, what things? When Israel becomes a nation again, and when you know that harvest is taking place, you see all these things, know that he is near at what? The doors. Surely I say to you, this generation, this generation, what generation? The generation that saw Israel become a nation again will by no means pass away till all these things, what, take place. You say, well, what are you trying to say, Scott? Well, I'm not, now listen, how many of you know Paul wrote in the book, and sometimes he wrote and he said, this is of the Lord, then sometimes he said, this is my opinion. Is it all right if I share you my opinion real quick? This generation, what generation? 1948, who saw Israel become a nation again. In the Bible, write this down if you're taking notes. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days, or his generation, shall be 120 years. 120 years. Now, in Psalms 90 and verse 10, Psalms 90 and verse 10, the Bible says that the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reasons of strength are 80 years. So if we're letting the Bible interpret the Bible, the Bible's talking about the generation of man being anywhere from 70 to 120 years. Hmm. So when you take 70 and 120 and you put them together with 1948, what do you get? You get 2018 for 70 years. And you get 2068 for 120 years. You say, what are you saying, Scott? What? I believe that if we let the Bible interpret the Bible, we're seeing a door or a window. We see a door or a window of what Jesus has taught us about of the soon coming of yes. Jesus. We already crossed into that door in 2018. Yes. We're in 2022. We're seeing things take the everything we read, what Jesus taught about. We're seeing all these things come together and exceed at a level we've never seen before. And we see a world that's talking about a globalization 
We, we know, and I won't say his name, a key rich man who's pretty evil, who throws thousands of dollars in all nations, not just this nation, but many, even the nations we live in, to see things disrupted and governments fall so that there can be an even playing field so there becomes one world system. That's what we're seeing before our very eyes. And, and when we look at this and we think about this and we think about 2018 to 2068, could this be the window or the door that he's coming? Now go with me to James chapter 5 and I'll wrap it up with this. How many likes wrapping things being wrapped up? So you can open them. I'll wrap it up and let's reopen it again. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You know, every preacher is like a, a pilot who lands. You know, he comes on, psh, uh, we're having the circle, you know. <laughs> we're not landing yet. So they usually close three times, you know. No, I'm not going to keep you long. James chapter 5, is this okay? Is it okay? Everybody with me. James chapter 5, look with me at seven, verse 7 to 9. 7 to 9. Therefore, be patient. Tell your neighbor, be patient. Be patient, brother. What? Until the coming of the Lord, the second coming, same context. See how the what? The farmer. What were we talking about? Summer and summer means what? The farmer, God, our Father, who is also a farmer, waits for what? The precious fruit of the earth. This is souls. This is men and women, kids. This is elderly, no matter your age or where you're from. He's waiting and he calls it precious. And he's waiting patiently for it until it receives what? The early, Acts chapter 2, and the latter rain and those two things coming together. You be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, look here, look here. Remember what we read? Behold the, the what? The judge is standing where? The judge. What are you saying, Scott? Well, we look at these signs of the times. We look at 2018 to 2068. We look at all that's going on. We know that God wants precious souls to come into the kingdom of God. And that he's waiting. Who is waiting? Jesus is waiting. Jesus, what does the Bible say? He's waiting to come get his church. But when he returns, his second coming, how many know his first coming? He came as the Savior and the grace giver. He came to the Gentiles to let everyone know that if you believe in me and see that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that I am the one who gives grace to do what you can't do in yourself. And you call upon my name, you shall be saved. But he's coming a second time, and he's, that's not the message he brings the second time. The second time he's coming as the judge. He's no longer the grace giver. It's the judge of the nations. And he, his heart is, I, before I judge, I want everyone I need everyone to hear of my first coming. There are so many who have yet to even know and hear my name and haven't heard of my first coming. How can I come a second time as the judge when they haven't even heard of my first coming? And he's pleading with us, the church, and he's saying, reawaken, 
Reawaken, stand up. Whether you're a mother, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a computer scientist, I don't know who you are. Reawaken. You are the body of Christ. Reawaken and use your mouth, use your prayers, use your talents, your treasure. Use whatever you have, your time, to sow for this last great day harvest. Because it's coming. It's coming. And I believe he's stirring us up as a body, a worldwide body. I have pastors over there. They say, Brother Scott, if we just had resources, we would, we're ready to go to villages that haven't heard. And I'm doing everything I can to try to gain resources to put into their hands. We're raising funds for a truck right now for our Cambodian team because all they have is motorcycles. And in the rainy season, they can't get to villages. And so they need a truck. And so I'm raising a fund for $25,000 to buy a truck, a 4 by 4 truck, put into their hands. you already seen they've already led over 4,000 to Christ. If we can just enable the body. And, and I'm not putting any pressure on you. You have to do what you're called to do right here in Butler, PA. And there's the key. You know, some people say, what is true success? What is success? What is real success? You ever ask that question? Is it money? Is it power? Is it having things? Is it having a great family and great life? What is true success? Well, I asked this, and the Lord spoke to me one time, and he said, you know what, Scott? This is what true success is. True success is simply being obedient to do exactly, exactly what I called you to do. Not what your mother called you to do. Not what your friends called you to do. Not what people's opinion called you to do. Exactly what I called you to do. And if that's just being a greeter by the door, and you try to go and do something else, you need to remain in what he's called you to do. And when you do that, guess what? You find success. And when we begin using and doing what God called us to do, we become a globalized body and a harvesting tool. A harvesting tool to bring many to the love and to the message of grace and the first coming of Christ and the kingdom of God. Let's do something right now. Just bow your head. Close your eyes. Just right now before you and the Father. If you're here today and you say, Scott, I, I, I've heard all these things you've talked about and you talked about Jesus paying my sin debt. But I've never asked him into my heart. I've never received that gift. But today I want to. I want to receive the gift of salvation and that sin debt being paid for me through Jesus. I want to acknowledge him here today. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up and you put it right back down. We're not here to embarrass you. We're simply here to give you an invitation to respond to the Father God. If you're here today and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I need my sin debt being paid. I want you to put your hand up right now. Just raise it real quick. Anyone? Amen. Amen. Two hands. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Now, if you're here today and you say, Scott, I've walked away from God. I once had a, a relationship with him, but I've kind of walked away. And I know I'm not doing what he really wants me to do. And I want that success you talked about. But I need to come back. I'm here to tell you, he's not against you. He's running towards you this morning.
And if you say, I need to rededicate my life to Christ, no one looking around, I want you, everyone to close your eyes. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up. You can put it back down. So slip your hand up, acknowledging, saying, that's me, Lord. I acknowledge I'm coming back to him today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now I want us to do something. I want us all to do something here. Let's all stand up this morning. If you today, you raised your hand, or you should have raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud together with me. And we're going to pray a prayer to acknowledge Jesus and to accept his gift of life. Let's all pray this together out loud. Say this, say, Father God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that he died for my sins. I choose to receive him. I receive his forgiveness. I receive your love, Father. And I acknowledge him as my Savior. I believe that he died for me and he rose again and his love is with me today. I am born again and I am a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you raise your hand. I encourage you to see Pastor Steve or Mamie or one of the associate pastors share with them because it is the greatest choice you made in receiving Christ and his gift can you say amen and they have materials and things they want to share with you about being a child in the kingdom of God and I'm going to do this real simply I want to do this real quickly I know it's 12 o'clock but if you're here today and you say Scott I know that I need to be using a gift in the kingdom of God and I've been afraid I've been holding back but I need to take a bold move today I want you to get out of your seat I want you to come and just stand up front you're simply saying I'm going to choose to reawaken my gift I've been holding back my gift I know God's been dealing with me I know God's been speaking to me maybe it's been years maybe it's only been weeks but you say Scott today I'm going to step forward and overcome fear by acknowledging this morning by walking down to the front that I'm going to start using my gift it's like when I prayed that prayer and I said Lord use me I had no idea he was going to send me to the other side of the world but I had to take a step Sometimes you have to take a step, and one of those steps is coming down here to the front. So I want to invite you right now. We're just going to take a moment as they're going to play. We're going to wait on you. If you know that's the Lord dealing with you, I want you to take a step of faith and walk down to the front. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for gifts. Gifts being activated in the church. Thank you, Father, for the body of Christ stepping out of fear and stepping into the purpose and the success that you've called them to, Father. We thank you, Father, that you reject no one, that you're not against us, but you're for us, that you do not shame us, but you embolden us, Father God. 
And uh, Father, I just thank you for those that are stepping out by faith to overcome fear and that come forward this morning. I thank you, Father, for speaking and confirming a word to their heart about the gift you called for them in their life. Father, we thank you.
thank you this morning for all that you've done already. I thank you, Father, for CLC. I thank you, Father, for Pastor Steve and Mamie. I thank you for the call upon this church and the representatives of the grace of Jesus in this community. And I thank you, Father, for supernatural ability. <laughs> oh, 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 supernatural ability in new seasons, in new levels, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, and even that which they have need of provision to be supernaturally released into their hands as a steward of what you have given them to make an impact. Release. <laughs> oh, we call it. There it is, there it is, there it is. There it is, there it is, there it is. Oh, oh a release of grace and new levels. New levels of influence. New levels of influence. New levels of influence. And new doors to be opened. Obedience to the voice as they've done for years. And new people to be released. I hear this too. Mold them. Mold them. Mold them for they will come in. Mold them and shape them. Equip them. Empower them. Team. 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 I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that. So Father, I thank you for divine wisdom to know who and not who. To know when and not when. To know exactly what it should be and what it should not be. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bless them in the name of the Lord. And Father, we just thank you for the rest of this day. Father, I bless every single one who's been here today. Let us go out in your joy and let us go out knowing, Father, you have called us to represent you in our family, in our relationships, and in our community. We are your hands. We are your feet. We are your mouth. And I just bid everyone be blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much.